Welcome. You're tuned in to Untanglement, a live audience podcast straight from our potatorium in the heart of Danville, Pennsylvania. I mark your guide through the maze of complexity, and today we're diving into the knots of life. From intriguing questions to ideas that keep you scratching your head, we're the professionals of playful exploration. This is the space where big dreams meet even bigger actions. Get ready to explore the untangled path with us. Let's make the complex simple, only here on Untanglement. Good morning, everybody. Let's hear it from our studio audience here at the Potatorium. Yeah, we do have actually a live audience, everybody. So everybody's listening to recorded, uh, recorded version. You come out to the Potatorium and join us. So today I have a Danville resident expert in everything learning gamification, Dr. Carl Kopp is joining us. Hi, Carl. Yeah. Hey, Mark. Uh, great to be here. Yeah. Another round so of thanks. applause. See, you're famous. <laughs> Yeah. And we're going to be talking about games and play and professional development and something I I know that as we polled the audience, professional development is near and dear to everybody's heart. It's important to our community. That's kind of where I I wanted to start with you, Carl, from your work in the field of of games and play. uh, What have you learned about how does an organization's approach to training really reflect their culture? Yeah, I I think that's a great question. I I think um, one of the great Uh, advantages of doing learning and development is you touch every element of an organization. So uh, learning and development gives you that opportunity to really have an impact on the organization. And if training is an afterthought to the organization, like, oh, Mm -hmm. we'll do this on your own time or do this whenever, then employees aren't going to feel vested in in learning what happens. And um, when they don't feel that they're part of the organization, you know, one of the huge problems ever since the pandemic and even before is employee engagement. And so people are not that engaged. And if you don't give employees a reason to stay at your organization, you might be like, oh, it's a small region. Nobody's going anywhere. You know, mm-hmm. I have these employees for life. <laughs> That's not the case at all. And when, especially when employees can work here and, and have an impact anywhere, right? You could work remotely. So um, the training and development perspective on professional development, on helping people understand the value of the organization and what happens is is paramount, I think, and often o- an overlooked um, advantage that people can have if they focus in that area. Yeah, yeah. So regionality um, is is not is, is a consideration, but the reality is is people can work from everywhere, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then the the importance of of how you approach learning on your culture. Um, you, you you have a phrase called you say the Shazam way of thinking. <laughs> what does that mean to you? Well, I, I, a lot of organizations and a lot of management think we can just Shazam something and um, we know it, right? So, oh, we're going to teach you how to be a sa- good salesperson in mm. you know fifteen minutes, and let me tell you everything I know about sales, and boom, you should be a good salesperson. And the thing that surprises me the most in organizations, big, small, every organization I work with, it seems like, is that, you know, when I was younger, my parents and teachers and everyone would say, hey, if you want to get better, why don't you practice? Mm -hmm. And you know what? I would practice. And you know what? I would get better. And I would know how to do something. And then you get into an organization and you say, yep, uh, I've been here for a year. I know everything there is to know. I don't need to practice anything. I'm the best salesperson ever. I'm the best manager. I'm the best entrepreneur. I'm the best whatever. And I think we're doing ourselves and others a disservice when we feel like 
we have to know everything and that we don't have time to practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you don't practice, then then people say, oh, I, you know, I don't practice sales, for example. Well, guess what? Every time you do a sales call, you're practicing. And some of the time you'll have a good practice and you'll make the sale. Some of the time you won't. Yeah. And if you leave it up to luck and practice, um, you know, you may eventually find yourself <laughs> out of opportunities. Yeah, and it's a, it's that idea of the and when we talk about games and play, and we think about practice, you're doing it in an environment safe, right? I mean, mm-hmm. where where if you practice and don't perform well, the consequences are uh, a learning experience as compared to if you're practicing and only practice on live cl- live clients. If you practice on real clients, that then the 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 win is great, but the loss. Right. And, and the other problem is a lot of people don't reflect on that. So mm. um, there's very little learning without reflection. There's only experience. And so a lot of people have that, oh, the sales call was bad because a competitor came in or because the timing wasn't right mm. or because whatever. But that may not be the right reflection. In a game, the other thing that you can do, which is really interesting, is you can show um, consequences and you can show relationships. So you can say, hey, you um, didn't do this up front. So guess what? You're not going to get the sale on the back end. Mm-hmm. Or you didn't invest in cybersecurity. So guess what? Now you have a break in. Or um, you didn't invest in employee training and now the employee gets another offer and they're out of here. Yep. So um, showing and highlighting those relationships, a game, if you think about it, is a system of interrelated pieces. And organizations are systems of interrelated pieces. And if you if you can mimic what's happening in your organization in that kind of board game environment, you can mimic, for example, what's happening with competitors. You can mimic what's happening with government regulations, with um, uh, uh, customers, customers yeah. you know, with your product, with research and development. So there's a lot of opportunities to do that. And, and games give you the permission to, to think the unthinkable. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so an example I always get, well, a couple examples I give. So one is um, back in the 1970s, BP actually had a game about oil exploration. And one of the um, negative things in that game was an oil rig explosion in the Gulf. Mm-hmm. And I always think if, and you know, when that happened, they, they were totally unprepared. Like this is unprecedented, never happened. Well, guess what? Um, it was totally thought of before in a game. Mm-hmm. And so games let you kind of what if and try things out and see what happens and get that yeah. um, kind of environment. And the other thing is people say games aren't serious, but the CIA, for example, has created a number of games. And one of the games that I think is most interesting was one to catch El Chapo, right? The really um, uh, bad drug lord, <laughs> as if there's a good drug a good lord. Good drug lord, yeah. Um, but... The interesting thing about that is half the the CIA people were playing as Al Chapo's team and half were playing as CIA, and they learned what tactics Al Chapo was using. So he actually would go, he would hide in prisons because you would never think of law enforcement to go in there, but his Mm -hmm. group owned the whole prison, so it was a really safe place for him to be, right? And so they started figuring out, well, where would he hide out? Where would he go? How do we find him? Um, So those kind of things... I think are really interesting that that we tend to overlook and we say oh, games aren't serious, but you know the military, the CIA, they've been using games for you know literally yeah. war games have been for for millennial. So it's it's 
it's effective or they wouldn't be doing it. Right. And, and I think uh, we'll, we'll jump back into that horse, historical mm-hmm. perspective, yeah. right? Because I think sometimes um, w- when we talk as a community and we talk as a small community, we're kind of like, oh, that sounds big, right? If my organization or any of you who say I'm responsible for uh, professional development and, you know, there were some hands that went up when, when Carl asked, well, how many of you would uh, experience some resistance, right, if you moved in that direction? So uh, I'm curious to know, before we dive into that uh, and look at, you know, games have worked and do work and have historical perspective that you can use to battle that resistance. Mm-hmm. But before we dive into that, I'm kind of interested to know about this idea of practice to the audience. And we have the microphone floating out there, so I'd love to hear. Um, so in your organization, like, give us a real sense of how do you practice in your organization? Like, how do you take on that that job of practicing? And and it can be from either perspective, right? You could say literally like, oh, an organization we struggle. Tell us about that struggle. Or maybe you say, this is how we practice and we've got it nailed down. Like, either one. So I'd love for somebody to grab the microphone. Where is it? Um, somebody hiding it. Do we have somebody who wants to chat about this and open up about uh, practice? Even it doesn't matter what size organization you are, small, large, whatever. Uh, let's talk a little bit about practice in your organization. Rob, Rob, Robbins, yeah. Oh, here we go. KJ, yeah. I think if you're going into classrooms, sometimes it's just really difficult for them to make the time for it. And I think because mm-hmm. a lot of people want to do it, but they feel guilty for it because I do think it's just a pleasure thing and not getting anything accomplished. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard to explain to them that in the play you find out so much about yourself and your students. But I think that they feel very, very guilty. And until we can convince them that it's serious play, I think we will always have a struggle with that, unfortunately. And yet I really do Mm -hmm. believe we learn more in play. So maybe it's just how we look at it. Yeah, Yeah. I I think what's scary, I don't know, Carl, about that, is that that idea of time. And when we we hook time and practice together, have you seen that in working with people? It's kind of like, you know, we, we have this... I'm not sure we really practice a lot because we're kind of worried about the time. The time right, I know yeah. the game That's thing huge... is what you're talking about, that mm-hmm. we didn't put games in because of time. But but there's a connection to practice there as well. And, I, and Robin, did you have something you wanted to, to add? I think it goes with, with yours. is about the time, but also the variability of the culture of the organization. And so there was that little bit about the resistance. But you have people willing to develop culture within a team. And then the time that the team has to do it or be supported in it, even by their their immediate leadership, can limit it. And right now, just watching um, a client um, begin reacting to situations, all the things that they were doing and progressing forward through practice and play is being diminished. And so mm-hmm. it's it's interesting that play gets cut, but play was the most powerful thing for them in 2023 to get things done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I, it, it's so interesting to me. I, I always like to think of... Um, uh, you know, there's an example where Stephen Covey, I don't know if anybody's seen this, he takes a jar and it's filled with sand and pebbles and then he tries to put the big rocks into it and it doesn't work. So he dumps out all the pebbles, puts the big rocks in and all the pebbles fit. And so it's a, it's an idea of time and um, what is important in terms of time. And um, there's an old phrase, you know, you can never um, find time, you can only make time. And making time to work on organizational values, organizational principles, on things that are going to sustain the organization long term is something that gets lost in the everyday, the urgent but not important. And I think organizations and individuals that take, that make the time to 
invest in themselves, invest in growth in the organization are the ones that are successful. And if you look at Google, how successful it was, for example, they mandate a certain amount of time that you mm -hmm. have to do on development and things like that. Um, large organizations do that and people are like, oh, it's a luxury of a large organization. Right. And I always go, well, how do you think they got large? <laughs> right. It wasn't because they all of a sudden decided now we're going to invest in our people and make time for personal development and growth. No, they were doing that ahead of time. And that's what worked. And and I think a lot of like I, I work with a lot of smaller organizations, entrepreneurial organizations, and time is always the issue. Like I have to be first to market. I have to be first to do this. But if you look at larger successful companies, they're not always for like Apple didn't invent the iPod, right? Mm -hmm. It was already invented there. They didn't invent the iWatch. They didn't even invent the smartphone. Like they didn't invent anything. They just took, not even the mouse, like they stole that from Xerox Park. So what they were able to do is they were able to improve upon something that was there and take the time and do it thoughtfully. And I think um, a lot of times we give up thoughtfulness for speed mm -hmm. and um, we pay we pay the price yep well and let's talk about the flip side because once you've created a, a gamed moment or a, a moment of play uh there's no rules out there that says oh well in order to do this you're gonna have to spend hours playing <laughs> this game right i mean i yeah. think you know we we had an experience this morning where we kind of gamified right and it was like you know 20 minutes mm -hmm. like what organization couldn't create something and then invest in 20 minutes with your staff, right? Uh, and so when we hear this idea where time is really like the thing, I mean, when you look at the games that you've helped either people create, and I know you have some examples of some games here you talked about today, are these games that take days and weeks no, to yeah. play? It, that's that's a fantastic point. No, I, I, I developed like, <laughs> no, um, uh, I've developed a number of games that take, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, we sprinkle them throughout other kinds of instructions. We, we do those on our own. We have um, created all kinds of different time frames for games. And, and the thing that it is, is you don't have to play the whole game through, right? Mm -hmm. You could play one round. You could play one part of the game. Yeah. You could, um, like, like what happened this morning, right? Yep. Very quick. Here's some ideas. Put them together. And we got that. And, and I think, you know, people think of games as, you know, like um, whenever I go, I play Assassin's Creed. Whenever we're going to Assassin's Creed, they Bales. tell you how... Bales, how do that. <laughs> no, you should. It's a fun game. Um, but it tells you, like, how many weeks you spent in the game. Uh. And I'm like, oh, don't show me that. I don't want to know. <laughs> um, but but uh, we don't have to spend weeks. We could, we could yep. do very quick, very uh, hit games. And in fact, um, many organizations that I've worked with do a series of small mini games. And the mini games are actually more powerful because you play those over time. Mm -hmm. So you have the distributed practice and it reinforces a lot of concepts and ideas. And, and the other thing is, so we have a game, a game that I created called uh, Zombie Sales Apocalypse. And it's oh, yeah. um, about- Is that in your deck? It, it might be, yeah. Um, if you keep going, uh, yeah, uh, that one. Yep. So the idea is that um, you are doing basically a sales role play. People don't like to do role plays. Um, and you hear moans and groans like, oh, you don't need to. But if you turn it into a game, people are all, all of a sudden into it. So on each card is a scenario. And then you have the scenario and you have to act out the scenario. And that's as simple as that. But the added bonus is that somebody gets to challenge your response. 
So if you think of a regular role play, people aren't challenging it. They're just going to go through. So you challenge the response with the card, and then you have to give a new response. And the challenge might be mm-hmm. add something new to your answer, rephrase it, say it differently, back it up with evidence, however you want to do that. And all of a sudden now we're having a conversation. And the value is the conversation that's had around that particular game. Yeah. And uh, corporations will go, well, you know, we're not doing zombies. Like, Carl, come on, get real. <laughs> so you can see we, we did a couple other versions, one called Customer Engagement. So we spent a lot of time on that name. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we went from something kind of interesting and exciting to, like, Customer Engagement. That's the name of our game. But uh, it was a really popular popular game in that organization and that group. And then one of the other things that we did was in terms of engagement and participation, we said to the salespeople, create your own scenario, put that on a card and see how your um, fellow salespeople react to that. Mm -hmm. So it gave them, gave them some ownership of, okay, wow, this is really, I can put my own stamp on it. And the really good ones we incorporated into it. And the neat thing about the age that we live in now is that you can get a deck of cards made for, you know, less than 20 bucks. It's amazing. Yeah. And professionally printed. And it looks like, you know, it came from the game store. Um, same thing with uh, board games. It yeah. does not take a lot of money or investment to develop board games. So this game, uh, this game, uh, for those of you on um, radio who can't, you know, podcast, who can't yeah. see it, but basically it's a, a doctor's office. It looks a little like a clue game. And the idea here was that uh, for consultative selling, the um, physicians, uh, or the people selling to the physicians would typically only go right to the physician. But it turns out they're not really the decision makers in a lot of the offices. It's more the office manager or it's the head nurse or it's something like that. So this game taught them that they have to go through and collect information at each of the places in the office, and then they're able to make the sale. So uh, the game concept itself was to help people understand the um, need to talk to people. And, and one of the responses was, and it was funny because this is all they talk about. Like, you got to talk to everybody. You got to talk to everybody. And um, after playing this game, the sales reps were like, oh, I didn't realize you had to talk to everybody. <laughs> it's like talking to my kids. But um, until you experience it viscerally like you do with a game, it doesn't always register. Yeah. And, and, and humans are very visceral creatures. So for example, go back to the kids, right? We've all told someone, a child or even an adult, like, don't touch that, it's hot. And what happens as soon as you say that? They touch it, right? I'm like, I just told you, I know, I just had to see for myself, or, you know, I don't know what it is. It just, so you can tell people, hey, you gotta do this in your organization. But until they actually see the consequences of not doing that, then it's a whole different story. Yeah. And then the other advantage is that, it gives your organization a shared experience. Right. So we can all talk about now, hey, remember in that game where you had to do this and this and this? Yeah, well, let's try that with the new client. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking a similar language. You've built a similar lexicon. And a lot of communication problems are because we're not speaking the same language. We're using the same words, but it's not the same language. Yeah. Whew, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> I'm, I'm going back to the... So I'm going back to the idea of... of peer challenge. Mm-hmm. So let's just deconstruct that a bit, right? Because I think it's one of the interesting things about games. Um, so we've had clients tell us in when, when you create experiences that sometimes the experiences that we create, these interactions, these conversations, is that um, 
holding the community, holding the people that are all talking about something or giving advice, holding each other accountable, mm-hmm. right? And so there's this tendency to like when somebody offers advice or suggestion to somebody is that we kind of, we, we don't necessarily challenge it, right? We kind of listen to it and in our head, we're challenging it. In our head, we're saying, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard, right? Or, or, or like, how could they possibly even think that? Were they even listening to what the person said? Like, that's all the, that's the game in our head going on. And so then when we get the chance to speak, we go, hey, thanks for that. Now, what I want to talk about is, and so that moment mm-hmm. leaves. Mm-hmm. And so I, I always thought was interesting about your zombie apocalypse game was that you could present a challenge card to somebody in a, in a game environment. You could literally say, I'm not sure about that. Right. Is that why mm-hmm. you created that? Or maybe give us some ideas behind what was the driver behind the challenges? Yeah, the whole idea. So the whole the game came up because uh, I was at it was like a hallway discussion. So I was in the hallway where and, all good things uh, are. Yeah, are all, all things happen. Mm-hmm. That or the shower. Right. Yep. You get the great idea. Yep. Um, so it was in the hallway. And he said, you know, we're having really having trouble with our role plays. Like okay. we we're getting so much pushback on the role plays. We need to do something. Can you create a game for this? And so, you know, I went off and thought about it and I thought about a traditional role play. And then I thought about traditional communications and I thought about what a game does. So in when you play a game, it's called the magic circle. So mm-hmm. things happen in the magic circle that don't happen maybe in real life. So, for example, golf, right? The magic circle of golf is you can't pick up that stupid little ball and put it in the hole. You have to hit it with a stick. If I could just pick it up and put it in the hole, it'd be a totally easier <laughs> game. But you can't do that. So because of this magic circle of the game. So what we decided was a lot of times that when you make a statement, you're not yeah. challenged on it. Yeah. No one forces you to really think through that statement. You're just sometimes you're just in sales rep, you're memorizing a script and going through mm-hmm. the script. You're not really solving client problems. So we said, well, how do we how do we how do we solve that? So we said, well, let's stop and make a person reflect or think about what they're what they've said and let's make them think about the next step in the conversation. Mm -hmm. So for example, one of the cards and you tell everybody is add something new to your answer. So a lot of times in sales, what happens is when we get in front of somebody, instead of dripping them the information, we, we deluge them with, Oh, here's everything you need to know about this product. And then your next visit, like, what do you talk about? Well, here's everything you need to know. about. And so a really effective method is say, here's, a little bit of what our product does, and it also does this. I'll tell you that next time we have a you know yeah. discussion, and we kind of and so we wanted the sales reps to think through that. So um, by having a card saying "add something new to your answer," it means you, if you spit everything out the first time, then you don't have anything left. Yep. And so now I'm thinking about how to do that. And then on the other side, a lot of times um, when you look at a role play or you look at a game, the people who are not playing are like daydreaming, checking their phone or whatever. So we wanted to have them involved the whole time. So by having the challenge and having them think through that, they could think through, well, hey, they didn't add this. Mm-hmm. So I can add something new. So so we had to add something new to your answer. Yeah. And then we had, oh, well, you can do this. Okay, well, let me add that to the answer. So the idea was to create these these, these safe challenges because it's a game. So everybody yep. laughs and it's amazing. Yep. Get everybody in the room, you start the game. And there's some pretty serious conversations like, oh, I would never say that to a client. How dare, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But it's in a game environment. So people are laughing and joking around and thinking about it. And you have permission in the game to be a different version of yourself. Yeah. So every time we go to work, we put on our masks and we're kind of like this person at work. We have to be really serious and we have to do this and we have to do that. 
And who does that? I don't know. Yeah, but some people do. <laughs> are anybody out there do that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some hands are raised. Oh, ooh, yeah, yep. yeah. So, so in a game environment, it kind of we, we call it I, I call it um, a social accelerant. Right. So if you yeah. really want to get to know somebody, play a game with them. Right. You can understand kind of how they react, how they get angry. Are they going to hold a grudge? Are they like, do they have to win no matter what? Are they going to let you win to keep the peace? I mean, there's a lot you can learn from that game. And there's a lot of um, uh, uh, letting down of your guard. Mm -hmm. And so um, the important thing after any game it, especially a learning game, is then to stop and reflect. Say, yeah. hey, okay, Mark brought up a really, a really good point about that. How many other people think that's a really good point? Okay, well, let's let's try that next time, right? And so you have this safe, okay environment to challenge people to talk about communications and talk about things that you couldn't talk about in another environment. And I think that is really a value of games is that they they kind of level the playing field a little bit. Yeah. So let's talk about that idea of social accelerant. Um, what I want to do now is um, the microphone's out in the audience. This is kind of like the, the the speed round. What I would love to hear from audience members are it's kind of like, hey, we have this learning initiative coming up, or I have a client where I think I need to train them on something. And so what what uh, Carl un unknowingly is going to do is uh, he's gonna we're gonna listen, and then the idea is like how how can we create. A, and I'm going to be very careful, how can we apply these ideas of games and fun and play and gamification? Mm -hmm. How could we consider that? So anybody have something they want to share? Yep. Oh, we got one okay. back in the back. Thank yeah. you, Stephanie. Toss that mic. That's a good catch. toss. That was. Yeah. Yeah. Robin, for the, Robin. Robin for yeah. the pass. That was terrifying. <laughs> maybe, 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 Robin, you should play for the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, so my question is, I'm currently working with a client who has a team member who is a great doer, right? Mm -hmm. We tell them what to do, and they're going to go do it. Um, but we're really struggling to elevate her to a process thinker. Um, and, you know, the, the typical, like, I'm going to show you how to evaluate something for a process, and then I want you to implement a process isn't working. So this is something where I'd be really interested to hear. Is there a way we could kind of gamify that ability to shift her approach to work from I'm just here to do stuff to I'm here to develop a process mm -hmm. within the company. Yeah. What a great, what a great game subject. So it, so I'm going to, um, um, go philosophical for a minute and then I'll get practical. So the idea, games are all systems and all processes. So, um, one of the ways that actually we do to teach processes is have that person create a game. So you could say to her, I want you to create a game to teach the process that you use to do X, Y, or Z. So that's, that's one way to do it. The other way is you could um, take the pieces of the process and put them on cards and ask her to teach someone by laying out the cards and seeing how the process works. And again, if you could employ her in hey, we're going to have a new person in here and we want to explain a process and we want to put it on cards. Can you do that? Um, the, the other way to do that is to get somebody to um, think about the big picture. So we want to design the look of a game that teaches the process of accounting or whatever the processes happen to be. Can you put those out in this kind of environment and let us know about the processes? And then the other thing is... Um, if you think about it, it's, uh, the, the process and how a process works is um, looking at how the pieces add up. So you could ask her to um, put together 
concepts for someone, you know, and I would do this in a, in a, a group environment of how we can take all the pieces of what we do and make it into a larger generic process that we can do it over and over and over again. So those are just some, some ideas off the top of my head that, that might be helpful. No, I, I love that. That sort of got some of my wheels turning. Oh, great. So Fantastic. That, that was huge. Thank you. Good, good. Yeah. Do we have another? And, and uh, yep, we do. Right over here, Kristen. And the pass is pass. Well, there, there we go. go. Josh made the pass. That was a handoff and a <laughs> hand pass. Handoff and a pass. Good, yeah. good teamwork there. Good teamwork. So I'm Kristen McCollum, and I'm an L&D consultant. Just got off of a call with a client. And one of our issues is cultural training, cultural awareness. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of language training, and that I can gamify. But those, those softer skills I struggle with. How to really make an impactful training that sticks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. So one of the things with um, soft skills training is a lot of times we'll um, you may want to use analogies. So rather than come right out and say we're going to teach you cultural sensitivity or DE and I or something like that, you say okay. We're going to um, explore some concepts. We're going to be a colony on Mars. And on Mars, we have different types of people. So we have the red people, and they believe this. We have the um, green people, and they believe this. And, we ha- and so you have these different color folks. And then uh, when they go through this process and figure out kind of how you want the backstory behind them, then um, you have certain maybe hidden agendas or something that the other groups don't know. And then all of a sudden that impacts what would be the outcome of the game. And by doing that um, and then debriefing it, say, okay, what assumptions did you make about the red people? Oh, okay, with this and this. Well, red people, what do you think? Oh, my gosh, that's not what we thought at all. We actually, you know, so then you bring that and say, okay, now let's look at cultural issues. And so when we assume something about this culture – um, what's it say more about us than that culture? And why do you make that assumption, right? And so then you can get those conversations going and those conversations happening. So it's the old, I call it the Star Trek trick, right? Where Star Trek had mm-hmm. all these cultural issues, but science fiction. So you can use that as a way to do that. The, the other way that we have done is um, have done different sorting games. So we've had um, certain characteristics um, that are somewhat stereotypical of a certain group and then we have you um, uh, sort them into different columns. And then um, when we reveal the cards, then we say, well, this person actually is not of this group that you think they are. They're actually this group, and here's the situation. And so you're able to get people to think about um, the individuals as people rather than as stereotypes. Mm-hmm. A couple ideas. Yeah, you know, and that um, to give another example of the, the transference of the situation, like the need, your aim for training, and then the design. Um, we had we had a client who came to us and wanted an experience very similar where they had really profound cultural element that they wanted to work on. And that cultural element was that um, they are a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So and this is this is how important design thinking, I think, around a game's purpose is like the, is we're nonprofit, which means that, uh, and we know this actually through analysis, they're very uh, altruistic. So the staff is largely altruistic, which means that they're very kind and they want to make sure they help others. Great for a nonprofit in terms of maybe a majority of your staff. However, it creates this idea that when they're a nonprofit who's trying to uh, 
you know, kind of gr- grow is hard for a nonprofit, but I mean like mm-hmm. to exist mm-hmm. that you're and you're kind of fighting for funding that everybody who's altruistic is very nice and they're very nice to each other. So when ideas come up, the ideas are, are by nature to the group like, oh, Denny, that's a great idea. Right. They want it. They want to be like really supportive of Denny. And doesn't everybody, I mean, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. you know, so, but that, so their challenge that they realized was that they were always kind to each other. They weren't very, um, they didn't do a lot of question. They didn't mm-hmm. do a lot of perspective taking. And so by hearing that, then they were like, okay, great. What, what, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Right. What can we do as professional development? And uh, Carl and I kind of worked uh, together on this, but uh, what we did was deliver a game experience and you talk about analogies. We never, we never once talked about any of that, mm-hmm. right? The game was that they came in and built a game. They built a game. And then they took the game and they had uh, the next day, they had their staff came in and played it. And then we debriefed and the staff had to give them feedback. And of course, when the feedback started, they were all like, oh, it was fun. Oh, you know, I, you, I can tell you put a lot of time into it, right? You know, mm-hmm. but we helped them design the debriefing that they, that they led the debriefing. We didn't. And we said, look, when you get those kind questions, like you got to dig a little bit more. It's like, well, how, you know, was it fun? They're like, kind of, right, yeah. you know, okay, yeah. now we're getting there. Yeah, like, come yeah. on, bring it out. But anyway, the point is very well, um, your point is very valid, right? Sometimes we have to take the situation, understand it, and design a little mm-hmm. bit. Sorry, I feel like I was grandstanding there. But no, 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 that's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you definitely take – so what games can do is, is remove some of the baggage or some of the backstory that you have. So if you create – and people are like, well, fantasy, like what – but fantasy gives people uh, two things. One, the permission to explore and two, the permission to um, leave behind – like. Like, oh, I would never say that. Well, yeah, but in the game, you might you just say that, right? And so you, so you would get those kind of ideas. And to, to your point, Mark, uh, the, my zombie sales apocalypse game, I, I ran it in a workshop one time uh, w- with a mixed audience. And um, I said, okay, what do you think of the game? And the one woman up front said, I absolutely hated this game. Worst game I've ever played. This is horrible. I would never use this in my organization. And then a woman in the back goes, I love the game. It was great. I'm going to take this and... And I said, well, wait a minute, like, what is going on here? So I said to the woman in, in the front, I said, you know, where do you, you know, where do you work? What do you do? I'm in the human resources department and I work with, you know, and I said to the woman in the back, where are you? And she said, I'm from sales. We're mm-hmm. ultra competitive. So we love challenging each other. The woman up front's like, no, I wouldn't use this language. I wouldn't do. Th-. So um, we actually worked with her and created a game where the language was toned down. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't as perceived as as confrontational so it's really important to know your audience um a generic game like one size fits all typically doesn't work in from one organization to another organization so it's Mm -hmm. very important to know the people in your organization and kind of what they'll want some people you know i always joke around but you know with engineers you probably don't want like cutesy little figures right what Mm -hmm. you want is cutesy little characters what but people are like well engineers don't like to play games so like what engineers like to do solve problems. Well, what's a game? Solving a problem, right? Mm-hmm. So, boom. So you make the game more about solving problems than these cutesy little characters. If you come into another environment, you know, maybe cutesy characters work. So you kind of have to know the audience that um, you're going to design the game for. And again, 
with all of the customizable elements, it's really simple. But you could do it with index cards. Like, so yeah. don't think that you have to spend like a, a, any kind of money to make a game. Just get some index cards, put them together, and boom, you have a matching game or you have, you know, the scenario game. So don't let the um, resources get in your way of creating that kind of interactivity or that kind of um, um, experience because people remember experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right. Do we have any more out there? Do we have another person that wants to take the mic? Uh, are we good? Denny and Kristen, the pass is up. Oh, the catch is good. <laughs> so this this has been fascinating to listen to this. And, and so you're asking about, you know, do we have something coming up or something that we could use in our organization? So I think the organization that I work for is really good at setting aside time for professional development uh, so we have that part handled, but I like the social accelerant experience and how do we get that. Um, so we do have an, we have an event coming up this this summer where and we're all consultants and I've got a hundred of my closest colleagues are coming together and we've got this time set aside for professional development. But, you know, m- maybe we really need to rethink how do we gamify that experience? We've got this time set aside uh, we do it well, but we've really not looked at it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. What advice could you give us on that? So um, I, I think there's a lot of different things that you could do. So what, so if, if you have a, a lot of consultants, so you're thinking about critical thinking, making connections, putting things together. Um, I don't know. Are the, I'm assuming they're all in the same industry. So what you could do is you could, um, you know, kind of if we go back to the um, uh, um Actually, uh, if we can go through, I, we develop, uh, can you go forward one more, one more? Yeah. So this is a game that, that uh, was developed, which was looking at an organization, looking at the different groups in the organization. And what you would do is in the beginning of the game, you decide to make some investments. And then uh, in the middle is a dashboard. So um, you would have a, a card that would have a scenario. So you could have the consulting scenario. And then you would have choices. And then you pick the choices. And each of those choices then had a consequence. And the consequences are never 100% good or 100% bad. So there's kind of uh, 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 repercussions. And so repercussion might be employee engagement or uh, another consultative sale or whatever. And then the other ones are um, maybe uh, innovation falls down because you you took this job with the client. And it's a simple job and you, she do, and you do it all the time. And now you're not growing as a consultant. So you're losing maybe your consultant credibility or things like that. So you can create that kind of dashboard, and then as you go through the scenarios and have the selection, people can talk about them. One of the things that you might want to think about, especially for a game like that, is to get um, beforehand um, situations, consequences, and what they actually did. And then you can add those into the game, and then those people could actually talk about that experience. So it would be a way to add that kind of conversation around. um, and, And it's funny because if you put it in that situation, you know, some people might be reluctant to give away their trade secrets, but in a game situation, they tend to spill all. So <laughs> now you can find out, oh, here's some good techniques we use or here's some techniques we use. And so you could actually um, have different groups. So so f- for this game, I think there were 90 some people There were in this particular case, there were nine people per board and they were divided into smaller sub teams. So you can see like operations sub team, sales sub team, et cetera. 
And those sub-teams had to work together, but we didn't tell them that. And so the first round that they did it, they didn't work together. And then we had a little bit of instruction on how to collaborate and work together. The second round, they were a little bit better. And then the third round, we emphasized it even more. So you could do something that's progressive like that as well. So that would be another way that you could do it. Or you could do a simple, um, again, like a card game. You could do something like um, a client says this, how would you respond, right? And uh, no, I would respond differently. Well, why? And you could have those kind of conversations as well. So it'd be a quick card game. And the neat thing about the card game, we gave them away 250 decks at a sales meeting. And then that evening in the bar, people had the cards and they were like playing. Now, I can't guarantee it's the same game and I can't guarantee the rules were the same, but the they were, were higher. Right. But they were still engaged with the content. So uh, by, by having that as a takeaway, um, it kind of can um, further your message and reinforce the learning because nobody's going to, few people are going to throw away a deck of cards, right? They might throw away some papers that they got at a conference, but they're not throwing away a deck of cards. And chances are they're actually going to go through that deck of cards. And then we've had people say, hey, bring your cards to the next meeting. Yeah. Right? I mean, so, lasting. you know, those things can, can last. Then you can do expansion packs. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, uh, things that you could do that would be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, Thank you. Yeah, and, and I think that's a great it's a great point. I'll, I'll um, so I think one of the things that those of us in experience building, there are some things I, I kind of think this is my pet peeve. Like uh, we tend to look at low hanging engagement uh, things as being the thing we can always add to an experience. And one of my pet peeves, I know everybody's going to know, networking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so as soon as somebody says, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna give time for networking," I'm like, really? Uh, it's the lowest. It is the lowest. It's the lowest type of engagement you can possibly create. And the reason is because you're leaving the connection to chance. And some people are like, oh, that's what everybody wants. The data does not show that, right? So if you, if you, if you give people an hour to network, guaranteed it'll be the biggest waste of your time, if, especially if you're creating an event. So why not take the opportunity to create something where they can play for that hour, which would be a lot of time, really. Mm -hmm. But even if they played for 20 minutes and then you gave them time to just, what I would say is like connect with purpose, they'll do it at the bar with the cards. That tells me that the connection was much deeper than if you would have just said to them, go and just chat and roam around and eat. Mm -hmm. Because then what are they taking to the bar? I don't know, just right. 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 I don't their know what phone. They're, their phone. They're taking their phone, <laughs> right. and you know, so I, I think that's a that's a really great example of play, uh, and and purpose and the cost. Uh, and I think that's the other other point. Like you, you know, to do game work is thoughtful design work, mm -hmm. but even if you invest in the cost, you get that residual, you get that that repetitiveness, right? Like so, yeah, invest. It's an invest. It really is an investment. And and the other thing, it's funny that you mentioned. Um, uh, Networking, yep. there's a number of card games actually created that are networking card games. So mm -hmm. you've got a card game with one resource and this person, and then you have to trade the resources or trade the cards. And then you can add the, about your field. So now you're talking about, you know, you've got to find three um, consultants that have worked for manufacturers, right? right? And then you can collect those cards or they can collect your cards. So they're doing this while they're, so they're doing this while they're networking. Yeah. So now you're giving them something specific to talk about 
as they're ex- having that experience and they're trying to collect these cards and get this information and things like that. So yep. now it's with purpose rather than chance or yeah. luck. Yeah. And yeah. that, that to me, like I am a socially capable introvert, right? So if anybody knows what that means, it means like, uh, by nature, I want to be alone getting my energy from other things. My wife is here and knows that very well because <laughs> we're both the same. Um, but if I had that, like when I'm just, when I'm faced with a room of people, I'm back there. Right. But if I had a, I had something to do and some purpose, right. I could go up to somebody with a purpose. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's a, yeah. That, I, I think yeah. one of the things that we miss a lot is that humans are very purpose driven creatures. Yes. Right. So in fact, when people, sometimes when people retire and don't have a purpose, it actually hastens their demise because right. there's no purpose. Yep. And so the, one of the things they say, if you want to live forever or, or a long time, have a purpose, always have a purpose. And so uh, if we take that into a, a mini experience, like, okay, I'm at a meeting. What's the purpose? Yes. I'm networking. What's the purpose? If we can provide a little bit of purpose, we can actually focus energy and people in the direction that we want them to go in. Yeah. So with that, that is it. Uh, we are at the end of our 45 minutes. It goes so fast, it doesn't does. it? Yeah. yeah. So I want to thank everybody in the audience for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Carl Kopp. Another round of Thanks applause everybody. for our audience. <laughs> yeah. And thank you so much. And with that, we will wrap up. And uh, uh, please do plan to listen to Untanglement on your favorite podcast platform. And we will spe- see you back here soon. Untanglement is produced by Mindset. We help our clients design, develop, and deliver high-impact learning experiences. You can learn more about our full range of event, learning, and production services by visiting Mindset at mynddset.com. Until next time, I hope you can achieve a little untanglement in your life. Cheers. Cheers.